July, May the 13th. In this episode of Signs and Secrets, host Mariana Bartold explores reasons why Our Lady may have first appeared at Fatima on May 13th. She considers connections to numerous popes, stretching back to Boniface IV in the 600s, also to King John of Portugal in the 1300s, as well as her titles as Our Lady of Angels and Martyrs, her basilica's link to the sun, and St. Peter Julian Amard's promotion of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. Did you ever wonder why Our Lady first appeared at Fatima on May 13th? To answer that question, in this episode, I will share excerpts from my Fatima book, which includes over 1,000 footnotes. Dear listener, hello and welcome. I'm Mariana Bartold, the guest host of Science and Secrets, featured by the Fatima Center. I'm the author of Fatima, The Signs and Secrets, Guadalupe, Secrets of the Image, and the host of my own modest channel called Genesis 315. Thanks to the generosity of the Fatima Center, you will find in the description box various links to my works and my channel. Now before I start, I would like to make clear a certain matter or two. In anticipation of any questions or comments which, as a result of this episode's content, might be addressed to either the Fatima Center or to me, it's necessary that I first mention these few simple facts. Fifteen years ago, in a special five-part Fatima series, which I wrote in the spring and summer of 2008, I first addressed the question of why did the Lord choose to initially send Our Lady of the Rosary to Fatima, Portugal, on May 13th. That series was published in a traditional Catholic paper, specifically Catholic Family News, and moreover, it eventually became a part of my later Fatima book, which was first published as a Kindle and then as a paperback in 2014. Now, the reason I am compelled to share all of this information, it's because since then, when providing certain insights into the subject of Fatima, various sources have used my research in articles, speeches, videos, and various series, but without ever citing the original author and researcher, yours truly. So for the sake of transparency and to avoid any confusion that I might be copying other people's work, I'm giving you that information now. All right, let's begin. First and foremost, May 13th was originally dedicated to Our Lady of the Martyrs. On May 13th, 609 A.D., Pope Boniface, who reigned from 608 to 615 A.D., converted the Roman pantheon, which was the pantheon of all the gods, you know, pagan edifice, into a basilica dedicating this edifice to Our Lady under her title, St. Mary of the Martyrs. In 1561, this basilica, built in the very heart of the Bath of Diocletian, who was an emperor by whom the early Christians suffered the most vicious persecutions and martyrdoms, received its current official name, St. Mary of the Angels and the Martyrs. The correlation? Both the date and the place of Our Lady's 
first Fatima appearance silently emphasized her title as Saint Mary of the Angels and the Martyrs. For the Cova di Iria, which in English translates to the Cove of Irene, appears to be named for the virgin martyr Saint Irene of Tomar. It was on July 13th that Our Lady gave the great secret in its three distinct parts, warning in part that if her requests were not heeded, the good will be martyred, various nations will be annihilated. The description of the third secret vision, as so far as we know it, also includes two angels who gather the blood of martyrs. There is another striking link between this basilica named in honor of St. Mary of the Angels and the Martyrs and the appearance of Our Lady of Fatima, which have to do with the sun. Almost 1,000 years after the basilica's dedication, Pope Clement XI, who reigned from 1700 to 1721, the same Vicar of Christ who declared the Feast of the Immaculate Conception as a holy day of obligation, commissioned Francesco Bianchini, an astronomer, mathematician, archaeologist, historian, and philosopher, to build inside the church a meridian line for the city of Rome. A beautiful example of science combined with Catholic culture, this meridian line is known as the Clementina, named after the Pope who ordered its construction. To track the path of the sun, Bianchini made careful calculations, then created a small hole in the southern wall of the basilica and laid into the marble floor the meridian line, which runs exactly north to south. The result is that when the sun reaches its zenith, called solar noon, light shines through the hole on the wall, casting its light on the meridian line. By the clock, however, this event now takes place near 12.15 p.m. or 1.15 p.m. in the summer. The meridian line's purpose was to check the perimeters of the solar-based Gregorian calendar, so named after Pope Gregory XIII, who advanced the Catholic Restoration after the Protestant Revolt. To exactly predict Easter, which is based on the vernal equinox, Pope Gregory XIII also revised the Julian solar-based calendar. As a result, the Gregorian calendar is, as one historian wrote of it, so nearly exact that there will be an error of one day only in 35 centuries. Pope Gregory officially promulgated this solar-based calendar, which took effect on October the 4th, 1582, thus immediately advancing the calendar date by 11 days. The correlation? The first basilica, ever named after Our Lady of the Martyrs, also tracks the sun, which is a symbol of the Son of Justice, our Lord Jesus Christ. At Fatima, Our Lady always appeared at the noon hour, an hour of great significance, since it's the time in which Our Lord was actually crucified and hung on the cross. The noon hour may also indicate how much time is left, before the world's sunset. On October the 13th, 
1917, the day of the miracle of the sun, witnesses stated that Our Lady appeared exactly at solar noon, not by the clock's time, but by the sun's time. Both the adjusted Gregorian calendar dates and the time of the Virgin's appearances at solar noon prove that heaven acknowledged Pope Gregory XIII's authority in this calendar reform. This acknowledgement also underscores the Pope's authority as the Vicar of Christ to command the collegial consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That heaven acknowledged the Gregorian calendar is also proven by the next fact. Centuries earlier, on May 13, 1391, before the Gregorian reform of the calendar, Pope Boniface IX, who reigned from 1389 to 1404, acquiesced to the request of King John I of Portugal and ordered that all Portuguese cathedrals should be named in honor of the Virgin. You see, on August 13, 1385, the Virgin had previously answered the King's prayer made at Fatima for his smaller army to reign victorious against a much larger force. Now the king wished to further honor the Virgin throughout all of Portugal. The correlation? Exactly 526 years later, the Virgin first appeared at Fatima on May 13, 1917, on the new May 13 of the Gregorian calendar. Coincidentally, the length of time in years between these two events, 526 years, equals 13 when the numbers are added as individual digits. Example, 5 plus 2 plus 6 equals 13. It could be just an interesting coincidence, but it's still thought-provoking. May 13th was also the feast of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. This salutary title of the Blessed Mothers became more well-known due to St. Peter Julian Amard and a mission given to him by the Virgin Mary. She made him aware that no religious order was named in honor of her divine son's real presence in the Blessed Sacrament. With the encouragement of Pope Pius IX, the saint founded the Congregation of the Most Blessed Sacrament in Paris, France on, you guessed it, May 13, 1856. In 1921, the Sacred Congregation of Rites authorized May 13th as the annual solemn commemoration of the Feast of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. The correlation? Before Our Lady appeared at Fatima, the three children were granted visions of an angel who taught them special prayers of adoration and supplication to the Holy Trinity and the Blessed Sacrament. And in fact, in a previous Signs and Secrets episode here at the Fatima Center channel, you will find two episodes on St. Michael. Now, in addition to the excerpts from my book, Fatima, the Signs and Secrets, the following edifying words from St. Peter Julian Amard gives us much to ponder about this first apparition of the Fatima Virgin in which were succinctly highlighted the realities of heaven, purgatory, 
reparatory acts offered to God for sins and the praying of the daily rosary. The saint wrote in his work entitled, With Mary, Let Us Adore Him, the following words. Our Lady devoted herself exclusively to the Eucharistic glory of Jesus Christ. She knew that it was the desire of the Eternal Father to make the Eucharist known, loved, and served by all men. That need of Jesus Christ's heart was to communicate to all men his gifts of grace and glory. She knew, too, that it was the mission of the Holy Ghost to extend and perfect in the hearts of men the reign of Jesus Christ, and that the Church had been founded only to give Jesus Christ to the world. Ever since Calvary, all men were her children. She loved them with a mother's tenderness and longed for their supreme good as for her own. Therefore, she was consumed with the desire to make Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament known to all, to inflame all hearts with his love, to see them enchained to his loving service. To obtain this favor, Our Lady passed her time at the foot of the most adorable sacrament in prayer and penance. There she treated the world's salvation. In her boundless seal, she embraced the needs of the faithful everywhere for all time to come who would inherit the Holy Eucharist and be its adorers. Her prayers converted countless souls, and as every conversion is the fruit of prayer, and since Our Lady's prayer could meet no refusal, the Apostles had in this Mother of Mercy their most powerful helper. Blessed is he for whom Our Lady prays. In another work, Month of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament, the saint also wrote these words. Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament is Mary, receiving in her quality of universal dispensatrix of grace the full and absolute disposition of the Eucharist and the graces that it contains, because this sacrament is the most efficacious means of salvation, the fruit par excellence of the redemption of Christ. To her, consequently, it belongs to make Jesus in the sacrament known and loved. To her, it belongs to spread the Eucharist throughout the world, to multiply churches, to raise them in infidel lands, and to defend faith in the Eucharist against heretics and the impious. To her it belongs to prepare souls for communion, to rouse them to make frequent visits to Jesus, and to assist zealously at the holy sacrifice of the Mass. She is the treasure house of all the graces comprised in the Eucharist, both those that prepare the soul for it and those that flow from it. Finally, from the same work, the saint pointedly affirmed, The month of Mary is the month of blessings and of grace, for, as St. Bernard, in company with all the saints, assures us, all grace comes to us through Mary. The month of Mary is a continual festival in honor of the Mother of God. Was it not she who gave us the Eucharist? It was her consent to the incarnation of the Word in her womb that inaugurated the great mystery of reparation 
to God and union with us, which Jesus accomplished during his mortal life, and that he continues in the Eucharist. I maintain, moreover, that the more we love the Eucharist, the more we must love Mary. We love all that our friend loves. Now, was ever a creature better loved by God, a mother more tenderly cherished by her son than Mary, by Jesus? Oh, yes, our Lord would be much pained if we, the servants of the Eucharist, did not greatly honor Mary, because she is his mother. Our Lord owes everything to her in the order of his incarnation, his human nature. It is by the flesh that she gave him that he has so glorified his Father that he has saved us and that he continues to nourish and save the world by the Blessed Sacrament. So on this May 13th, remember that it was originally the Feast of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament and is now known as our Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Please join me next Wednesday for the episode introducing the topic of the symbolism of the Star of Esther, that yellow gold star that we see on the Fatima Virgin's long white tunic. Until the next time, may God bless you and may Our Lady Mary keep you and yours under her starry mantle. Salve, Regina. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the message of Fatima and to support this vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org or call us at 1-800-263-8160. Immaculate and sorrowful heart of Mary, be our salvation. Sacred heart of Jesus, thy kingdom come.